Hi, this is Jim Lobato. I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on BizTalk Radio Show. I started BizTalk so you can have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with their sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities and then align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. I hope you enjoy this podcast. So that brings us up to uh, our guest today, who is Terry Slattery. And I've known Terry for several years, and he has developed value differentiation strategies for clients in more than 100 industries and helped re-engineer their sales processes and trained and coached executives and sales management teams and their sales organizations. He is known as the creator of Wimp Junction, and maybe we'll be able to get into that tonight here. Uh, Wimp Junction is a program that teaches uh, salespeople how to recognize and eliminate non-productive sales behavior, especially during complex sales, and has helped tens of, tens of thousands of salespeople improve their sales productivity. When he's not helping companies in their sales development program, I understand he's a pretty mean blues and jazz pianist. So, pianist, playing the piano, you get it. So, welcome to our program, Terry. Thank you, Jim. It's a privilege. Okay, Terry. The comment you made to me, which really got me thinking this week, was that customers have perceived that your margins are part of their cost reduction program. And I must admit, I kind of felt guilty. Uh, felt guilty about that this week when I was out and I bought a video camera. And when I went into the store, I fully expected to get a discount from all the news I heard about what's going on with retail. I would expect to get a discount. And um, the clerk spent about 20 minutes with me trying to figure out the best video camera and even asked for a discount. And she looked quite at me. She looked at me and she said, "You know what?" She says, "Really, don't offer discounts here. We just prevent you from making a mistake on buying the the wrong video camera. And the one I picked out for you is the best one based on what you want to do." And it just kind of reminded me that you know, you know, all you have to do is present that type of value and you get paid for it. But we all walk into our customers today expecting some type of discount. So what are you seeing out in the marketplace working with the sales forces you work with in this mindset that, you're, that the, your margins, you know, the company's margins are at risk? Well, I think that one of the things that we're seeing, of course, is that prospects do seem to assume that they have far more leverage than they really do against the seller. And uh, a skilled professional on the other side of the table in your prospect's organization will attempt to use that leverage very effectively. But sometimes what's really fascinating is the prospects don't even ask because right now a lot of salespeople are uh, looking and sounding kind of desperate to get business. And and I'm reminded of this about uh, just a few days ago, I was at the airport in Indianapolis. And uh, I'm waiting to catch my outbound flight. And I'm listening to a guy who should have been arrested for impersonating a salesman because He really wasn't one, but apparently that's what he thought he was. And so what he was doing was he was uh, he had called his company on his cell phone and had gotten the price for a configuration of whatever product they sell. It was some kind of a system. And the price was about eighty seven five, about eighty seven thousand five hundred. And so then I listened to this salesman. He was only about 10 feet away. And 
and he's dialing the number of the prospect, and he calls the prospect, and he says, hi, uh, I've got your price. And so the guy obviously said, what is it? And Jim, the salesman, says, it's 87.5, but why don't you let me see what I can do for you? And I thought, <laughs> I thought man, people are working in your company day and night in this economy to preserve precious margins, and you're out seeing how fast you can give them away. And it was just a sad, sad thing to watch. But whether the salesperson volunteers it or not, uh, what we are seeing is a lot of the prospects are saying, this is a good time to extract some leverage or extract some concessions out of the salespeople. So I think the biggest thing is uh, the marketplace shifts right now, and they are expecting concessions. And so you've got to get your sales force ready. You know, it's it's interesting because, like a, a story I told earlier, I fully expected when I bought this video camera today or the other day to to get a to, to get a discount. Oh yeah, yeah. So you just so whether you're, it's me or anybody else there, it seems like they either it's the media or the news or just the times we're in. So what is it when you have a salesperson out there that gets a price like that? And comes back and says they can offer it, offer it a lower price. Well, let me see if I can get it better for you. How can we prevent our sales force from doing that? Well, the first, the first thing is to understand what you're really selling, and by that I mean you've got to have clarity, clarity about what it is that differentiates you from your primary competitors. And it's not the differentiation that you want to talk about. It's the consequences of not having that differentiation. We can get some examples. I can give you some specifics on that. But what we refer to is you've got to know your DV. You've got to know your differentiating value. And by that we mean not just what separates you from your competition, but what is the value of what separates you from your competition in this particular organization that you're trying to sell into. Well, can you give us some real-world examples of what, of what you've seen out there? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the most, the simplest ones that I've seen, uh, and it transfers across, the concept transfers across so many industries. But um, I was working with a group that sells food ingredients, and one of the things that they were having trouble with, of course, in this economy has been the concept of, you know, we give great service, and, and we've got the highest quality products out there, but, of course, the purchasers are saying yes, but let's talk about your price. And so what happens is in order to differentiate themselves from their competition, these particular uh, – these were distributors, and what they were doing was providing added technical consulting to help the client get their food products, the new products especially – to market more quickly. So in essence, what they were selling was time to market. But they got paid in transactions for the ingredients that went into those new products. And in this case, there happened to be a lot of cinnamon that was part of this deal. And so the person who was the, quote, commodities buyer, which I always love, but uh, the commodities buyer was thinking, gee, we can buy cinnamon any place, and your cinnamon is three cents a pound more than the other cinnamon that we can get. And so they were on the verge of moving this business for three cents a pound, which was only about, mm, I think it was $1,200 over the term of the contract. But they were ready to move this business. 
And what was happening was as soon as the technical consulting stops, because they were not going to do it anymore if they weren't getting the ingredient business, it was going to take them longer to get their products to market. So what they were selling again was time to market. But the person who would be most impacted by that change was not at the table. And, Jim, that's the thing. In a down economy, when you're seeing people wanting to make changes, either if you're playing defense, for example, and you're trying to protect a relationship, make sure that you understand what the consequences are going to be if they choose to make the change. And what you really want to think about is who's going to experience those consequences because I would bet anyone a big steak dinner that the person who's going to experience those consequences is not in the conversation. And it's closing that loop and making sure that that person's agenda, that person's needs are met, uh, and that through making this change, that person would be hurt. And so in this case, obviously, it's a brand manager who's responsible for the roll out of these new products and time to market is everything and something as competitive as the industry they're in and so what happens is someone over in one part of a complex organization in procurement makes a decision to achieve their cost reduction goals and someone else over on the sales side of the business now doesn't get a product to market as quickly as they could and the net effect is lost sales in order to achieve a short-term and small price concession. So what I basically, to summarize what you're saying is, sometimes their salespeople have the wrong people in the conversation. Absolutely. You See, when you know what your differentiators are and you understand the consequences of not having them, you want to know who feels those consequences the most. That person is your ally. So it's also developing relationships outside that buyer's office. Absolutely. And because if you think about it, most of my clients, and I know most of your clients, their business models are not set up to compete primarily on price. They have to be price competitive but not price leading. And so one of the things we know is if you intend to compete primarily on value as opposed to price, and you get into, as a value player, you get into a price driven competition that's a lot like getting an invitation to a luau and then when you get to the luau you find out that they're expecting you to perform the role of the pig (laughs) and what i've seen is the pigs don't enjoy the luau as much as everybody else that's there right and so if you're a value-based seller you have to know who's going to most suffer the consequences of not having your value and that person's vote has to be included in the tally about whether or not they place business with you. Because if you leave that person out, you're going to be forced to compete on price, even though that's not your strategy. So in your experience, Terry, do most of our sellers out there today understand their value or some of the things I've been running into that um, prior to – Oh, April or October of last year, depending on what you were selling, the market was pretty good and the orders were flowing in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So do most sellers out there that you've run into and you work with, do they truly understand what they're selling out there? Nope. They, They get so wrapped up in what the thing is and what it does 
and then they trust the prospect to figure out how important that is to them. And they don't understand what it's going to mean to the prospect to not have whatever they do that's unique. And so, yeah, they don't get it. There's another thing that I am noticing right now that is really an opportunity for your listeners, and it is this. Because of the prospect's belief that they can expect concessions, they can extract concessions, they tend to extend their buying cycle. They, they, they have more attempts and, and more bids, if you will, and have another round of negotiation and those kinds of things. And one of the things that's helping my clients a lot right now, and I hope it'll help your people, is you've got to know the cost of delay in a decision like the one that you're attempting to get. Because one of the things that helps my clients is to understand if delay for the prospect is free, in other words, if delay has no consequences, then we really don't have a prospect because they should take forever to shop. And so one of the ways you can protect your margins is to know what the cost of delay is and use that cost of delay to accelerate their decision process, especially when you have the people involved who are going to suffer from that delay. So again, it's an incomplete cast of characters. Yeah, we're seeing that. We worked with a client this week, and um, most of their customers um, are farmers, and they're going to. They're, the farmers right now are holding off and making purchases right up till the spring. Oh yeah. So there's a cost of delay with that. Terry, I was working with our clients this week, and one of the things that um, you know, in the marketplace where the competitors, the only bullet in their gun, they're going out and shooting, is the fact that their prices are lower and they can give a discount, and that's their new customer acquisition strategy is to offer discounts. So when you see the market out there. Uh, up, you know, going against the competition, do that. One of the things I'm telling my sales force, what you need to say is, you know, people don't buy your products and services from you. They buy, they buy the net effect that you bring. So before we get to price, can we talk about the net effect that you're looking for? And that's just an attempt to get to switch people over to talking about this net effect that they're looking for. But how do you work with people who are sitting there on the sidelines, going to delay, going to delay, because they think prices are going to keep going down? Right. One of the things, there, there are a couple strategies that uh, we're seeing right now with people who are dragging this thing out and taking a long time that are working well. Um, <clears throat> but one, a lot of the financial services people that I'm working with are talking about you know their prospects and clients sitting on these huge hordes of cash. Yeah waiting for, of course, more opportune investment opportunities and waiting for they think the thing will bottom out. And, of course, one of the questions is, how will you know that it's there? And it's real interesting to watch the reaction of the client when you, when you ask that because they say, well, the only way I'll know is, and, if, and effectively what they say is, is when I've missed it. Right. <laughs> That's how I'll know. And so... Again, if delay is free, then delay is the right decision. And if delay isn't free, it's the consequences of that delay that you want to get in play. Here's another example. I'm working with a company right now that sells healthcare IT solutions. And one of the main benefits has to do not only with the capturing of revenue that right now the healthcare provider is not getting, 
but also to improve the velocity of cash into the organization. So while the purchasing guys are attempting to squeeze the vendor for additional concessions, the borrowing costs are unnecessarily high that the CFO is experiencing, and the velocity of cash into the business is not what it could be. And so as a seller, it's incumbent upon us to understand not only the value we bring, but the consequences of not having it. And and once those benefits are delayed, those are very real costs. And those costs may be far greater than any price concession anyone can give them. So, you know, the way we remind our salespeople that is to ask them to think about this. If delay is free, how long should your prospect wait? And, of course, they all answer forever. Forever, correct. Yeah. Well, then you don't have a prospect. If delay is free and you're selling on value, if you're selling on price, that's a different game. Right. There's another thing that I I want to share with you that's going on out there and having to do with selling in a down economy, and that has to do with the mindset of the selling organization. Um, This past week, um, I live up in Minneapolis, and this past week the communities um, said goodbye to one of the long-term community business leaders, and uh, he passed away a few days ago, and there was a wonderful service in the community. And and as a matter of fact, I think the guy was from uh, your area originally as a young man, but he was in his 90s now when he passed, and he was worth over a billion dollars. And one of the many wealthy businessmen uh, was talking on a radio show, and I was listening to it, and he was talking about the lessons he learned from this guy over the years when he was building his company. And what this banker taught him was, and I just thought this was beautiful, he says, when you need a deal, you're dead in that deal. And I thought, isn't that a great line? Mm -hmm. Because, boy, you and I have talked, Jim, about when salespeople think they need a deal, they essentially surrender an awful lot of control to the prospect at that point. And that's what this banker was talking about. Yeah, necessity never made a good deal. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? So part of that, uh, part of that, needing that deal or perception it is, is coming from a scarcity mentality versus right. a, an abundance mentality. And right. And I told our you know audience here a couple of weeks ago, there's really two groups of people: those that have that abundance mentality, which is there are there are enough deals out there for me to hit my goals or be successful. I just need to go find them. That's an abundance mentality mm-hmm. or a scarcity mentality. If I lose this one, you know, there's not another one behind that. And I know that you have, this is not your first recession. And oh. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's a really polite way of saying that uh, you've been around a while. These are real gray hairs, but the, <laughs> but the thing is fascinating is it's been my privilege over the years I've been doing this to have worked with 2000 companies. And we've been through recessions, and we've been through industry cycles that have been kind of vicious, even if the rest of the country was doing well. Right. And one of the other things that has helped a lot of those clients is, as you anticipate this pressure, you kind of got to remember that the prospects aren't that creative. They've only got about three or four responses. You're going to encounter those over and over and over. And I wanted to share a couple of things with your listeners that are that are getting good results for us. Um, one of the things we've 
been getting good mileage out of sounds like this. You know, when a prospect asks for a concession and the salesperson's been taught to say, you know, that could be a problem. What were you hoping to hear? And usually that second exchange now will give you an idea of what's the pros- what's on the prospect's mind. And then, of course, if I know the cost of delay, and if I also know, and there's a companion related to the cost of delay, which is the cost of change. If I'm the incumbent, then the pain and cost of change is my friend, and I don't have to match the price of a guy who's trying to get the business because Mm -hmm. the cost of making the change have to be added to that discounted price to get the true price of this thing. And so what we find is when we come back with that response that says, that could be a problem, what were you hoping to hear? Usually they'll indicate kind of what they're expecting from a concession, and chances are you can kill it with the cost of making a change if you're the incumbent. And you can also kill it with the cost of delay. Mm -hmm. And And it seems to work well. Now, of course, if you're playing offense, you can use the cost of change um, in your favor, too, because they may be just shopping you in the, before they get a better deal out of the incumbent. So if you're the aggressor and you're trying to get some business and they're waving a deal in front of you, of course, you have to minimize any differences between what the incumbent's quoted and your price, because if your value's higher, your price is probably going to be higher. Correct. So what we've learned is we can minimize that and say, well, you probably aren't going to make a change just to achieve that kind of a price so being aware of the pain of change, whether you're on offense or defense, and the cost of that pain of change will also help you build a stronger case. And it's helping our clients a lot right now. What's the, um, since most of our salespeople out there have not been you know, in a recession, or at least one that looks like this, or most of our leaders have not uh, led during a recession, or it looks like, or at least one that looks like this, uh, what's some of the uh, I guess some of the advice we'd want to give them on the activities or where where their focus actually should be. I mean, you've been through a few of these, so yep. you've seen some things that have worked and the other things that uh, have not worked. Well, you you said so much wisdom earlier when you were talking about the situation where uh, the client was going to come back to you later after they took your solution and shopped it with somebody right. else, and. One of the things that we have learned is business that's one on price in a down cycle will not be there when things get better. Um, and so you've got to understand you're, if you choose to go after that business, you're really renting it. You're not going to have it for very long. You won't really own it. And so you've got to ask yourself, looking at my selling costs, look what it costs, what the acquisition cost is of a customer. Can I afford to do that for the short period of time they're going to be with me? Because our clients have learned at some point, just like the banker said, if you get too emotionally involved and you got to have a deal, it's going to kill you. Absolutely. And so the first thing is don't expect that price business to stay. Second thing is you do have to turn up the number of at-bats you get in an economy like this to compensate for some of that delay we've been talking about, but you also – have to understand that your closing ratio may not be as high in downtimes as it is in good times. 
and therefore you're probably going to have to put more in the top of the funnel, so to speak, to make sure that at whatever closing rates your sales force is experiencing or you're experiencing as an individual, that you're compensating for the changes in the marketplace. Because if I maintain the same level of activity when things are really lower that I have when things are good and don't amp it up, I'm going to be in trouble. Absolutely. We're talking with Terry Slattery, who's CEO of the Slattery Sales Group, and we're talking about growing your revenues, protecting your margins in the economy you're in. We'll be back with Terry right after this. You're listening to News Radio 1040 WHO. Terry, got a couple minutes left. Is there a question that I should have asked you that I haven't asked you yet? Well, I think the only thing that we probably wanted to chat about real quickly was what do my clients do to handle leads differently? And I just want to give your listeners this thought. If you're a sales manager or the owner of a company and you're paying a lot of money to generate leads, uh, one of the strategies that's worked well in previous recessions, and I'm sure it will for my clients again this time, is quite frankly, we give those leads to the best salespeople. Because one of the things we've seen, of course, is one of the reasons they are the best salespeople is they know what to do with leads. And um, it has just turned out that if we're going to spend all that money to create and generate leads, we might as well make sure we get the best deal out of them. So, so give, give your best opportunities to your best people? Absolutely. Okay. And it's it, been that's very a, helpful. Yeah, because the, the normal reaction is to give them to the people that are struggling. In Absolutely. Of They're kind, and that's. That's a wonderful humanitarian gesture, but quite frankly, it's not going to net your business as much. So in the times we're in, change up that tactic. You got it. Okay. Terry, thanks for being on our program here tonight. Promise me we'll have a chance to come back to this again, and I'd love to delve into our conversation on WIM Junction sometime. I'd look forward to it. That'd be a lot of fun. Thank you very much. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website at www biztalkradioshow.com or you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact the Performance Group at 800-550-9509 or visit us on the web at www.pmgllc.net.